Welcome to Go, your local source for information and conversation to support a healthy lifestyle for you and your family in Chatham County, North Carolina. We are your hosts, Rob Schooley and Emily Long. Today, we are going to chat with Renita Fox about the importance of talking to youth about alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. It's not uncommon for youth to express curiosity about substances. However, what is the role of adults when this curiosity is expressed? Renita Fox is the Director of Court Programs in Chatham County. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor, a licensed clinical addiction specialist, and an all-around great person. Today is December 12, 2022, and here we go. So, Renita, let's take a minute and just tell us what you do for the court system. Right now, currently in Chatham County, I work with diversions and um, I'm trying to change the name or trying to rebrand. So our current name is Court Programs, but I'm trying to change it to Diversion and Advocacy. Is diversion just with... With kids, are we? Is it juveniles only? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So diversion is not well. It's not only with ju- with kids. Diversion could be for adults that maybe have a first time offense, or it could be diversion with those who may have a small brush with um, juvenile um, detention or juvenile services. So um, what I like to envision is that. Um, diversion is trying to divert anyone, whether it's a youth, whether it's an adult, whether it's a victim, whether it's a defendant, away from the court system. So we want to try our best to provide as many supportive services so that whatever hurdle they're experiencing in their life, that they can get over it and kind of move forward. So um, when you're looking at youth, um, it's pretty much more on education. So we're trying to educate them on the correct decisions. I would like to believe that if the youth are getting given the correct information, that they would make a a better choice. So diversion, to better understand it for some of our parents who are listening, if a underage individual commits a crime, they could potentially be diverted from more serious consequences like a criminal record. Um, If they engaged in your program and your program might do things like um, give them some education on the offense that they committed and help them learn better ways to achieve their goals Mm -hmm. versus engaging in the criminal activity. So right now, currently we have exercises or homework assignments um, built on life skills, um, you know, impulse, you know, learning how to control your impulses, helping them understand that, you know, anything after 11 o'clock is usually um, an impulse decision that you're going to make. Nothing good is going to happen from um, having a friend call you at 11 o'clock at night, wanting you to wanting you to ride with them somewhere. You know, but if you stop and sit down and think about the pros and the cons, you know, um, is this the right decision for me to make? You know, should I, you know, get in the car? You know, what are the chances of me and my friend getting stopped? Or what are the chances of them putting somebody else in the car that shouldn't be in the car? So um, we really want to try to educate them on um, healthy decisions, you know, being able to understand that the decisions that they make now, even though they're so young, may impact their future. And, you know, just trying to get them to, um, if they can, and if we, you know, our hope is that they can just pause for a moment and just, you know, learn about, you know, um, cause and effect. Throughout the years, as a social worker, parents have always, um, I should say always, parents have asked me about um, drug testing their kids. And I've had, I've had thoughts on it 
But I, as someone who works in the drug testing area as part of her diversion program, um, I thought you might be better to answer some of those questions. So, and um, I've been thinking about this probably for the past um, week since we you gave me the, the topic. Um, in my stance with drug testing your child is once you drug test them, then what? Because if you're drug testing them in home, then you have to be prepared to provide a consequence. And if you don't provide a consequence, then you're almost enabling the behavior. So I would personally, if I, you know, could, you know, give my two cents to a parent, I would probably say I would prefer you to put a professional in that in that stance and have that professional drug screen your child and instead of yourself. Because sometimes it's like you're, you always want to keep the lines of communication open between you and your child. And if you drug test them, I don't know if your child may view that as, you know, they're, you know, they're losing your trust or you're losing their trust. And how do you repair that? I bet a lot of parents think about that too, when they're trying to drug test their kids at home. But, but, but however, if and a professional does it, and if the professional is instructing you to do it, then it's not, you know, um, the parent is doing it on their own fruition. Right. It's, you know, the counselor told me that that's what we needed to do inside of the house. So you can kind of, you know, put it off on the professional um, when you're having these conflicts with your child. And then you and the professional and your child can talk about, you know, what are the appropriate consequences? So in the diversion program, is drug testing a requirement? So, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny right now because you have this culture and, you know, the culture of, you know, uh, marijuana use is shifting. So um, it's really situational um, because sometimes you can drug test a child, but if they're going back into the an environment where, you know, family members are enabling the behavior or you have a parent or a guardian who uses, you know, um, it, it does it does me no good to tell the child consistently, you know, stay drug and alcohol free, stay drug and alcohol free when they're going home into an environment where the parents are enabling the behavior. So it, it really has to be a full discussion with parents and everyone before I start wanting to drug screen because yeah. I don't want to drug screen and, you know, the parents are not on board. So that's definitely something I've seen with the youth is that as you know, THC and marijuana become legal throughout the country, that perception of harm that's associated with THC has gone down. But, and so but, we've seen use go up. But it's really not... Um, I, in my opinion, I don't think that the correct information is out there or the correct information is being highlighted because the, for major, so if you were to fast forward to, you know, our, so we also run a, a program called pretrial release. So in our pretrial release department, <clears throat> if I were to sit down and talk to probably 75% of those individuals, they all lead back to, and it goes back to when I was in the third grade and they were preaching the DARE program. Marijuana is that gateway drug. I don't, I don't care how you, you know, split it or divide it. Marijuana is that gateway drug and they all talk about it. But the problem is, is the age in which they use it. So if you have someone who is just being introduced to marijuana in college, their brain is way more developed than a brain that is using marijuana 
in fifth grade or sixth grade. And sometimes that is what I'm seeing. I am seeing my, I am seeing my pretrial individuals talk about using marijuana when they were 10 and 11 years old with an older cousin or with a dad or, you know, with a, with another family member. One thing that we know, we know is that the earlier someone begins to use a substance, they're more likely to have that problem later in life. So if someone is drinking at a young age, they're more likely to have an alcohol problem later in life. If someone starts using marijuana, THC early in life, they're more likely to have a problem with it. Um, I was just talking to a room of kids about that last week. So, so but then another thing that you, that it's not even about the problems is sometimes I never forget. I had this one gentleman who, um, you know, always used to, he came in and he was like maybe, 26 when he first came into my office and um, he at that point was on mental health med- mental health meds and he said to me that you know he started using marijuana when he was in um, high school and he started and it escalated really, really fast to where he was almost using daily well he doesn't know if he maybe took you know used marijuana that had a combination of something else in it but he but he it caused a psychotic break. And from that point on, he began having to become medicated because of the psychotic break. And he was like, you know, had I never used marijuana at such a young age, you know, would I be on medication for the rest of my life, mental health meds for the rest of my life? So when they're out here and they're using marijuana and these other substances, and sometimes the marijuana that they're using, it may not just be marijuana. I've had, you know, individuals come in my office that had marijuana laced with other stuff. So it's really, you know, the child is taking a a um, a leap of faith that, you know, whoever is giving this to them, you know, was looking out for their best interest. I, I, I can't honestly say that. For me, a line that was drawn last year that was really actually concerning was when we started seeing the THC and vape pens that Correct. were laced. Um, in several cases with fentanyl. Correct. And so that's just a whole different ball game mm-hmm. that kind of spiked my anxiety. Um, but I don't think a lot of kids realize that um, marijuana is actually a mild hallucinogen. Correct. They don't recognize that it's in that category. So mm-hmm. how it affects their brain is versus, you know, other drugs. And especially if their family may not talk about what mental health history they have. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, they may, you know, use marijuana and they have that, they take it to the extreme. Um, and, you know, and some individuals, you know, really become really paranoid. Um, and it's like once you unlock that door, you can't go back and, you know, lock it back and say, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Because now it's out there and you now have this mental health that you're going to have to, you know, seek treatment for. But then once you seek treatment for it, it's like a, it's a, like a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Because now you have to treat something else and then that raises your um, chances of being addicted to even something more severe. So there's actually, um, I, you know, am a member of multiple parent and community groups in Chatham County online, like Facebook. And I actually just saw last night a debate among parents about can, can a child or can anyone overdose on marijuana edibles? Mm-hmm. And um, and it just really hit me that people don't understand kind no. of how drugs have modernized mm-hmm. and are not just, um, you know, the 
the stuff we've heard talked about before. It's it's a different potency. Things mixed mm-hmm. together. Um, so, but so then take it for example. Take your average um, athlete or your kid that's in maybe middle school, and they're very athletic. You know, they really you know have the talent to really do something. You know, with their um, abilities. And let's just say they get around that wrong crowd in in high school, and all of a sudden now they're starting to smoke weed. Um, what are the chances? of that child being able to still perform at that optimal level in the 11th and 12th grade when colleges and scouts are really looking at them. What I have seen is that by the time they get to the 11th and 12th grade, they've stopped playing the sport altogether because now um, they're hanging around friends that are not in the sport. And we know that the drugs directly kind of when they're impacting our cognitive functioning affect motivation, mm-hmm. our um our basic body functions of like, are we tired? Are we awake? That kind of thing. So it's going to affect all of those areas. Correct. And now, the other social piece to this is the the the, the development, I guess you'd say, yes. or the release of the the other types of THC that are legal in Correct. maybe like Delta nine and Delta mm-hmm. ten or Delta eight, nine, and ten that can be sold in stores. And I, I don't think we know the the we don't the we have psychiatric effects long term or even short term. Um, and, and then if you think about it, for the average male, they say that the male, um, what stops developing at what age, what middle age, like 25, 26, that is a brain, you know, stops developing around 25, 26. Now, for the majority of the kids that I see or that I have worked with, um, they've started using marijuana before they're 16. So where's their development? So then, and you know, your frontal lobe is your critical skills, critical thinking skills, you know. If you don't get those developed fully, you know, how are you functioning? Uh, one of the things that people don't realize is that when, if you're one or two years old and you're learning to walk well, mm-hmm. and somebody were to give you a crutch and you learn to walk with that crutch, once you hit five or six, if you take that crutch away, you're going to fall on your face. Correct. And so teens, when they're using, you know, alcohol, tobacco, or other drugs, when they're developing that ability to emote into the world, if they're using those drugs as a crutch, when you pull those away, they fall flat on their face, and that's where they end up in you know different programs. And, and it's not only that. Sometimes also, if you look at just their maturity, like um, sometimes you can almost look at an adult, and you can almost guess when they may have started using drugs because literally they're stunned. Like you can have a conversation with a full-grown forty-five-year-old, but mentally and maturity-wise, they're still sixteen, seventeen years old. And like they're not understanding like about budgeting. They're not, you know, planning for the future. They're not really thinking about a family. They're literally still like reliving their high school years over and over and over again. So there's some sort of arrested development. Correct. Um, One of the things I have an eight-year-old daughter and she will has asked, you know, why can't I have like taste wine or or whatever. And um, when I was growing up, I remember, you know, Dare and say no to drugs and and all those things, but I don't really remember anyone saying to me. But I said to my daughter, you know, at this age, they really want to grow big and strong. And I and I've just said to her, oh, kids aren't allowed to have these because your body is still growing, your brain mm-hmm. is still growing, and it'll mess up your brain, make your brain not work. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, I need my brain to work. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the thing about it is, is that if you remember back in high school or probably even, you know, before then, you remember the commercial where they would say that, you know, this is your brain on drugs. And they would break an egg and put it over a frying pan and then it would be frying and sizzling. And, you know, and that that's not the correct approach. Like we can't scare our kids into doing the right thing. You really do have to educate them. And educating them does mean you have to answer a million questions, you know, and when you're answering those million questions, you can't cannot be dishonest. You have got to be honest because the worst thing in the world you want your kids to see you is, as is a hypocrite. Because then how do you repair that? How do you expect them to believe anything that you say once they find out that you have been lying to them? So Renita, if a parent, if a child, if an adolescent asks their parent, have you ever smoked marijuana? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of parents, and I've talked to, to many parents who've said, I just, I just lied. I said, no, no, of course I never, never have done anything like that. That's bad. And then after the fact, they're really, really worried. Like, oh my gosh, I've lied. What am mm-hmm. I going to do now? How am I going to address this? What if they find my dime bag? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. 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 That um, and I said, you know, when the time is right and you have had time to reflect on this, you are going to go to your child and you are going to own this and mm-hmm. you're going to say you were very scared in that mm-hmm. moment. Yes. And then you can be honest about right. your experience and why you don't do it now right. um, and how you have come to a point of, of you know, changing your decision making and how it's impacted you. Would you think that sounds important? Because I don't want parents to get the message necessarily that like you can own your hypocrisy when you recognize mm-hmm. it, right? Correct. I mean, I, you definitely want to make sure that you're being honest, and but you, in that conversation, make sure that you're educating them on where you were at that point in time in your life. Right. You know, sometimes I think that we as parents, and I have an eight-year-old and I have a 15-year-old, and I never want my children to believe that I'm perfect. Because right. perfection does not exist. Right. So I want them to know that I've made errors. I've made judgment decisions that did not go well. You know, I, I've done that because I want them to know that as you fall down throughout life, I want to be there to pick you up. You know, I may not have had someone to pick me up. I was, you know, kind of maybe fumbling around in the dark by myself. But, you know, I want to have that open relationship with you so that if you're falling or if you're making these judgment decisions, that you can call on me. Like, for example, when your child goes to college, I I hope that most parents are having that conversation to where, you know, sweetheart, you know, you can call me. I don't care what time it is. And you can say pineapples and mommy is on her way to come pick you up because I know that pineapples means that something has happened. We don't want to talk about it right then. We'll talk about it the next morning, but I'm on my way to come get you. But we need to make sure that at any point in time when our children are going through whatever it is they're going through in life, that they have someone that they can call on. To hear the remainder of this conversation, listen to part two. We will be talking about D.A.R.E., the court system in Chatham, and substance abuse services.